rethink social media as Mark Schaefer redefines what drives success online. In this interview, Mark goes deep into why consistency matters, why engagement is the emperor's new clothes, and how he's built his business around the freedom to follow his interests and curiosity. Mark Schaefer is a content marketing legend, author of so many books, I'd almost certainly get the number wrong if I wrote it down. He speaks on stages all over the world, and frankly, he's one of my heroes and a mentor. Can you tell? (laughs) Despite my less than subtle hero worship, we dig into what makes Mark's business work, his revenue streams, and how he makes time to do all that work. Hi there, and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneur podcast. I'm Bob Gentle, and every Monday I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new to the show, take a second now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And you can grab some older ones once you're finished with this one. Don't forget as well, you can join our Facebook community. Just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders, and you'll be right there. So welcome along, and let's meet Mark. So this week... I am thrilled to welcome Mark Schaefer to the show. Mark is one of my remote mentors. You have no idea of this, Mark, but I've read most of your books. They've had a big influence on me, and probably there are there a large reason that we that there is even a podcast. So, thank you for your books. Thank you for coming. But for those people who don't know you, maybe just want to tell us tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are, and what it is you do. Well, first of all, thank you very much for your kind words, and thank you for reading my books. I really, I really appreciate that. I, I, I never take that for granted. You know, Bob, I remember the first time I ever got uh, a comment on my blog. This would have been probably 11 or 12 years ago. And it was just such a thrill to me that people would actually spend time with my content. And I, I never forgot that and I still feel that excitement today so I I really appreciate anybody who spends time with me so uh, I spent most of my career uh, in the corporate world and I started my own business about I guess it's been 12 years ago now and uh, I started to consult uh, started to teach I started a blog and the blog uh, became popular and led to some interest from uh, publishing companies. So the first couple of books I published uh, through McGraw-Hill, and then the last few books I've published uh, on my own because that's a lot more effective and efficient and flexible. And uh, all together, I've published uh, eight books. So I also am a a public speaker. I speak all over the world and um, I get good marks for that. And uh, I'm a, a college educator as well at a big university uh, in the New York City area called Rutgers University. And I've taught there for about 11 years, I guess. So I do, I do a lot. Uh, so I've got to stay organized. Uh, but that's, that's me in a nutshell, I guess. I think what's interesting there is 11 or 12 years doesn't seem actually like a very long time. For somebody that's, if you ask anybody, who's the guy for content marketing, your name's going to be one of a very small list of answers. And to achieve that in 11 or 12 years, 11 or 12 years ago, a blog, everybody was blogging. I'm astonished that you were getting that thrill of a blog comment 11 years ago. And here we are today, 
with the sprawling mess of social media. Um, and if you go to a content marketing conference, you're probably going to be there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to consistency. I mean, you're right. You know, back 11 or 12 years ago, it was kind of the Wild West. And if I think about most of the people who were regarded as the thought leaders, then they're all gone. (laughs) Yeah. And so there is something to be said for just, you know, sticking it out. And, um, you know, it's, it's been fun for me, Bob, because... It's endlessly fascinating. Marketing is endlessly fascinating. Social media and content is endlessly fascinating. And so I never have a lack of enthusiasm for for writing about something or or addressing something. And I marvel at, um, you know, I'm thinking about uh, one of my favorite uh, content creators who truly, he was at the top of the game back when I started. That would be Chris Brogan. You know, in this same time frame, Chris has probably stopped and started 50 different projects. (laughs) I'll bet he's had 10 different podcasts in this same period where I've had one blog and one one podcast. And, you know, he's just full of ideas. He's always pushing the edges. But my style has been, look, um, I've created this content that's attracted an audience who trusts me. Uh, I'm not gonna let them down. They expect something from me every day. And whenever they see a podcast episode, a book or a blog post, uh, you know, I'm gonna give my best. I'm never gonna let them down. It's gonna be interesting and relevant and maybe even a little entertaining, but it's definitely gonna be worth your time. And uh, that's what's in my head every single day when I create content. I think a lot of people don't appreciate the importance of consistency over a long period of time. Yeah. And when I read your book, I'm pretty sure it was known. Mm-hmm. That was one of the standout things. For sure. Ordinary people doing consistent things over a long period of time. Exactly. And achieving incredible results, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is very motivating. That one book... I think I must have bought it four times because I keep giving it to clients. Oh, that's very kind um, of you. <laughs> but I'm glad you picked up on that point because, you know, some people miss that. They get preoccupied with the idea that, you know, you've got to be entertaining or you have to be brilliant or you have to be insightful. And that is, that's, that's not true. It really isn't. And, you know, if you, if you look at, my book, I think the thing that's, that's most fun about the known book is that I have all these case studies of people who are really well known in their industries today, but they didn't start there. Nobody starts out as an expert. Nobody starts out as being known. And I, one of my favorite stories is when I started to blog, I didn't know what I was doing. I really didn't. I was terrible, but I learned and I learned and you know, I, I wasn't trying to tell people what, what to do because I wasn't an expert, but I took people along on the journey. And I told them what worked, what didn't work, what was frustrating, what made me happy, uh, my successes, my failures. And then five years later, I wrote the book's best-selling book on blogging. Now, it, you know, it, it, it took me five years to get there, but I didn't start out as an expert in blogging. 
So you know, that should not be an obstacle to, to, for, for people. It, it, it really is the long game is you just you put yourself out there you take your best shot and uh, i think you know for the known book i interviewed 97 different people from all around the world in all different sorts of professions and the last question i asked them was if you could give one piece of advice to someone who wants to do what you're doing what would it be and almost every single person said be consistent don't you you know the biggest problem is people give up too soon and uh certainly i see that in my career and with um the people i work with as well so what piece of advice would you give and i think the reason i'm asking this is i work with lots of micro businesses that would consider themselves to be ordinary financial advisors beauticians ordinary ordinary meat and potatoes as we would say in this country i'm sure you have that in your country yes meat and potatoes businesses they have this mindset that they're ordinary what would you say to them to unlock that well the goal of any business today and certainly the big challenge in marketing is to stand out above the noise Uh, it's harder than ever because uh, there's so much content being created today so you really only have one choice. You have to find out, find a way to be original. And to be original, you have to share your voice, your stories, your experiences, and connect them to your audience. Now, you know, there's nobody that's really ordinary. Everybody's extraordinary in some way. I guarantee it. There's nobody like you. There is no competition. There's only one you. And so I don't think I really have any special you know, talent, any special gift other than I'll just, let's say I want to make a point about um, something going on in the world today. Uh, here's a very good example. Um, I have been trying to inspire people and lift people up during this pandemic and talk about how we can really connect with customers in an empathetic uh, and genuine way um, that can build loyalty to our companies and our brands in this time when so many people are suffering. And I thought about an example early in my career. You know, Bob, this is something that happened when I was in sales probably 30 years ago, it's probably 30 years ago, but it's a story that really makes the point and nobody else has that story. And it just occurred to me that this would really make the point. And and I told this story uh, in in a new talk that I'm doing, uh, you know, for the pandemic age called Fight to the Other Side. And that story has touched people so deeply. It's moved them so deeply. And it's something they could never hear anywhere else because it's coming from me. Everybody has those experiences. Everybody has those stories. And and, and that's where true talent and insight come, I think, is from connecting your experiences to something that's relevant today. And people love learning that way. They don't want to hear numbers. They don't want to hear statistics. Well, maybe sometimes they do. But most important, 
They want to, they, they could remember stories. People will, will remember the stories I tell to make a point. That's how they learn. And uh, so I think everybody's extraordinary. And maybe the first point part uh, of being a great content creator is just sort of, you know, admitting that, <laughs> that there's nobody like me. And uh, I want to tell my story to the world. I, th I think a lot of the time people are trying to, the self-identity is actually quite a challenging thing to really burrow into. And a lot of the time it triggers things like imposter syndrome and yeah, you know, yeah. And, and and you know, I I hear I hear that uh, a, a lot, but one I mean, one of the biggest lessons I learned in my journey, and look, I struggled with all this stuff just like everybody else, and it was a lesson I, I learned. Oh, it was probably maybe a year and a half or two years into my blogging career. You know, when I started out, I thought I've got it. My job is to show everybody how smart I am. <laughs> and every blog post I wrote and every talk I gave was nothing but a big data dump that was probably pretty useless and boring. And then one day I, uh, I went out to uh, lunch. Uh, it, I, was gonna, I was mentoring this young person. And um, I, I can't remember exactly what the conversation was, but I remember I gave her some piece of advice that reflected really what was the truth about what was going on in the marketing world right now. And I, you know, I just thought, oh, I, f I, I just feel slimy for even like giving this piece of advice. Maybe it was about SEO tricks or something. And so I came back, I wrote a blog post in 15 minutes and it was something like, the title was something like, I just turned myself into a social media slut. <laughs> uh, and, you know, the blog post was maybe 400 words or 500 words. And it was one of the most popular posts I ever did. And it wasn't profound. It wasn't a PhD thesis. I just talked about a conversation I had with a young person over lunch. And people love that. You know, they, they love seeing a little peek into you and into your life. And, you know, I'm not oversharing. I'm not saying everything about my life. But... I'm just, you know, connecting the dots between my experiences and ideas and observations and lessons that, that people can learn. And I mean, anybody can do that. It just takes a little practice, I think, to get the confidence to know, hey, you know, here's this dumb little blog post I, I put out there and geez, it worked just fine. I think your most recent book, Marketing Rebellion, the subtext is the most human brand wins. Or have I got that right? The most human company wins. That's right. When I work with a lot of companies, and I think a lot of people will relate to this, there's a certain size of business where they want somebody to come in and do the digital marketing to them. And it doesn't work very well because if you can't get the people in that business to engage and show up online, everything else is kind of, it's just... Check in a box. Yeah. Yeah. What? How do you turn that around? Do you turn that around? Or you just avoid working with those people? Well, there's a, there's a certain word that always sets off an alarm for me. And that word is convince. <laughs> right. 
So if I ever hear someone say, well, you know, I'm trying to convince my managers, trying to convince my leaders, they're just, you know, that's, that's a troublesome sign to me. I think great leaders, they want to know, they want to learn, they're, they're humble, they acknowledge that the world is changing fast. And so I can certainly understand someone who isn't experienced with social media or they're not experienced with content or they're uncomfortable with social media and content. But if you have your eyes open, if you're an active and open learner, then you should understand this is a place we need to be and we really don't have a choice. And I think, you know, you mentioned my book, Marketing Rebellion. To me, that is the business case for how we need to operate in marketing today. And it's not my opinion of the world. There's a lot of research, there's a lot of data that says here are where customers are today. This is where the world is today. And we really don't have a choice. This is the way we need to move. And I'll tell you something, Bob, when I wrote that book, I was fearful because the book is provocative. And there are a lot of sort of sacred cows in that book that I say, look, these things that you might like them, you might love them, you might have been doing all these things your whole life, but they don't work anymore. And I really thought I would get a backlash. And just the opposite has happened because people have read the book and they've been open learners and they're open to new ideas. And the response has basically been, you know, I could kind of see this happening. You just put a name to it. And if I sort of feel liberated right now because I had a sense this is what we're supposed to be doing anyway. To me, that's real leadership. You, I mean, you look at the data, you look at the business case, you say, all right, I understand. It's, it's compelling. It's overwhelming. We've got to make this change. And, you know, if, if someone would read the book and still has to be convinced, then I'm walking away. <laughs> <laughs> it was something really became conscious for me as you were talking there. And it was, it was this whole idea of convincing people. Yeah. And I reflect back on my career. And what's interesting, and I hadn't really been aware of it until now, is that the more I've invested in my own content, the more my, my personal brand has grown, the less I've had to convince. And the more people are coming to me for me because they know what they want. Right, right. That's, that's a, really interesting. That's a powerful insight, Bob. It really is. And I think it sort of cuts right to the heart of the idea that you know, my other book that I, I think has had a lot of impact on people is known. And, and it's all about this idea of what is this process to to create a personal brand in the digital age and, and be known. And the whole idea is that great branding is about building a emotional connection between what you do and your customers. And it, that used to come through advertising. So it could be cute ads and maybe we'd have polar bears in our ads and we feel a certain fuzziness toward the polar bears. So that means we love the, you know, the Coca-Cola or whatever it is, but people don't see ads anymore. They don't, they don't see ads like they used to. We're in a streaming content society and it's, it's just taking off even more. 
people don't want ads, they avoid ads. If they see ads, they don't believe them anyway. And so the new connection is with people, is with humans. People wanna know who are these people? What do they do? What do they stand for? So if you stand out with your personal brand, you'll eventually attract the right audience. They're gonna, you're gonna attract people who who connect with you in an emotional way. And eventually, those are the people who are going to hire you and buy things from you. I, I really like that. And I, I've certainly found that to be the case. Um, I just hadn't been fully aware of it until that penny dropped. That's Well, one of the most amazing and unexpected things I've learned in, in my career is, so there's a lot of attention paid to engagement, social media engagement, engaging with your audience and, you know, building a community. And I would say that 98% of the people who hire me for consulting or for a speech, I have never heard of before. Mm. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't know me. It doesn't mean that we don't have that emotional connection. But the lesson here is that if you're not getting a lot of engagement, if you're not getting a lot of comments, that doesn't mean it's not working. As long as there's an audience out there and who's consuming your content, they're building this connection to you. You know, I have this favorite example that I use in my college classes where this fellow started reading my blog in uh, 2013, I didn't know he was out there. 2015, he learned about my book Content Code from my blog, bought the book. Midway through 2015, got an email from him. Just wanted to tell you, Mark, this is one of the best business books I've read in the last 10 years. He was the chief marketing officer for GE Life Sciences. <laughs> now, he had, been, he had been connected to me for two and a half years and I didn't even know he was out there. And then like in 2018, he hired me to do a content marketing workshop for his staff. Now, if you've been following along, that's five years. Yeah. And you know, I, for the first two and a half or three years, I didn't even know he was there. Then I never heard from him again. And then all of a sudden he's hired me to do this amazing workshop with one of the you know, most uh, valuable and interesting companies in the world. And and that's sort of how it works is creating content and, and, and marketing in that way. It, 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 take, it takes patience. It takes consistency. It is, you know, for the, the long haul, that's for sure. You're not going to be able to demonstrate a quarterly ROI normally. Uh, but, you know, it does work. And I, I know with all authority that it works because hundreds and hundreds of people have read that known book and they've said, you know, this book has changed my life. This book has changed my business. And I think a person would be very lucky if they hear those words one time in their whole life and I hear it every week because yeah. it, it is working. This idea of connecting, building that emotion you know, being patient, uh, you know, it, it pays off and it works. I, I feel quite liberated by that because you're right. Everybody does 
currently measure their success on engagement. It's the key metric. Uh, uh, yeah, I, and actually, you know, maybe if, you, if in the show notes or something, I actually wrote a very comprehensive blog post about the the actual measured business value of engagement. Uh, and you know, I kind of looked at all the current literature and all the current research, and and the conclusion is there's not a lot of real business value to engagement. There are a few small exceptions, but in general, engagement is not necessarily a sign that you're being successful. Well, I'm delighted to hear that because on this, I'm going to address this to my podcast audience. Mm-hmm. You guys are super quiet. Yeah, and I'm so relieved. <laughs> well, look, Bob. I've I have a podcast. I've had a podcast for seven years. It's in the top one percent of all podcasts on iTunes. We have thousands of listeners that are very loyal. I will be lucky if I get one comment a week anywhere on the web <laughs> about the show. It, and and yet we know that people love it. They support it. We have people who binge it. You know, if 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 something happens, you know, we'll hear about it. Um, but uh, yeah, engagement uh, is is not, especially with a podcast. You know, because there's no button to click. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's no there there's no button to click. So you know, it is it is really quiet uh, on on podcast. And in a way, this is going to sound weird. I kind of like it. <laughs> Because engagement can be exhausting. <laughs> I think as well, what you have to remember with a podcast, and again, sorry to the listener for geeking out on podcasts, but behind every number, there's a super attentive person. Yeah. Where else do you get that? Well, the research certainly supports that, that podcast listeners, they're more likely to, to follow you as a brand. They're more likely to buy from you. They're open. It's one of the few places left on earth where they're actually open to ad, to hearing advertisements because they're sort of conditioned to expect that from, you know, radio shows or something like that. So there's a lot of advantages to podcasting, but engagement isn't one of them. Hmm. I should run some ads. I don't run any ads. Get ready for this, guys. I am curious to know, okay, you write books, you have the podcast, you have the blog. Mm-hmm. But what does your day-to-day content marketing schedule look like? Yeah. Well, so first let's take a, a step back and, and talk about my my business. I think that'll help explain my mm. content strategy. So um, I wrote a blog post uh, maybe two years ago, and I updated it last year. And I believe that I have 22 different sources of income. Now, of this 22, there are only really four that matter. You know, I get a lot of little dribs and drabs of stuff. But there are only four that matter, maybe three. So I, get, I have a nice, I actually have a nice revenue stream from my books. Now, I don't want to create any hope or optimism for <laughs> your, your listeners because the rule of thumb is that, is that you cannot really make money off of a business book. And I, I would say, you know, 99.9% of the people out there would say that. However, I've written eight books over a period of 10 or 11 years. And, 
you know they've they've become very popular and 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 I've also worked 10 or 11 years to build the audience if you don't have the audience then you can't really expect to sell the book so let's put that one aside but I do have some passive income from the books now can I ask is are the books in one of the top four what are the top four books? No, are are the books one of the top four revenue streams? Yes, I would say for me, yeah, that books, uh, you know, it kind of varies from year to year um, because maybe I'll get a big consulting client that would be a very big contractor or something. But basically, I would say, um, you know, consulting, um, speaking, and, and teaching. I teach at Rutgers, so I'll put those two together. But let's say consulting, speaking, and teaching, um, books and then I also have an event called the uprising now the uprising is a is a retreat for marketers uh, that I have it's it's limited to 30 people so it's a small group that gets together and just kind of thinks big thoughts and we have facilitated discussions and we have this retreat in this forested lodge surrounded by you know hiking trails and gardens and we have great food and music and it's a great experience but unfortunately because of the pandemic i've had to cancel it in may and now i've had to cancel it in may in october i am having a smaller sort of online event but that has been a great joy for me it's the it's the thing i am probably most proud of in my career because it's an event that's changed people people's lives so a Consulting, B, uh, you know, classes and speeches, and then I've got these uh, these work these uh, events, and of course the books. Now, there's a there's sort of a synergistic relationship between all of this. So you know, whenever I teach colleges college classes at the grad level, I have got to stay on top of everything because these people are very sophisticated, they're very smart, and I've got to know what I'm doing. And their questions tend to turn into blog posts mm. because they're really good questions and they're very interesting. Those blog posts start to like work their way into my speeches. The speeches sort of turn into my books. So there's kind of this synergistic relationship between everything. But at the center of it is really my blog. There was a period of time where I... I kind of did some reflecting about do I need to keep doing this blog you know I put so much effort into this blog I blog at least once a week usually twice a week I haven't missed a single week in 11 or 12 years and you know is this should this still be my priority and when you think about how everything connects and how I've built my brand that has become you know I've become known and that's led to my business and my success. It really all starts with that consistent content. I can't come up with any other path that it all literally, Bob, it all starts with the blog. It all starts with the blog. And it's, it's that's sort of like the sun that's radiating the energy into everything else that I do. The blog connects me to an audience it's probably the place where I'm most open and, and emotional and, and vulnerable. Um, it's an archive of my work and my history and what I think about the future. My blog posts, they're in my research and development lab. 
you know, I'm working on a new book now, and I'm going to be writing some blog posts to test ideas. Uh, there have been a couple of my books. Uh, I've tested ideas on my blog, and I received a comment so good and so helpful that I included the reader's comment in my book because they were right. I mean, they added something that I hadn't even thought of before. And so um, it's, it's the emotion, it's the connection, it's the audience, it's clarifying my thoughts, it's researching my ideas, it's also a way to help respond to people. Sometimes I get the same question you know, over and over again. Hey, I've written a blog post on it, I just send them the link. So there's, you know, it's the blog. The blog is is the sun at the at the middle of the soul of the Mark Schaefer solar system. Yeah, and something that you hear a lot is you need to once you're busy, you need to delegate as much as possible. And one of the easiest places for you to delegate would be your content. And I'm curious to know, have you succumbed to temptation there? hasn't even crossed my mind <laughs> I'm so glad that's the answer yeah I mean I just um, first of all uh, I, I, I enjoy it you know it's it's a great intellectual challenge um, I've, I've said a few times that my greatest achievement on my blog is that I haven't like embarrassed myself to the point where I've become a meme or something you know I mean I haven't <laughs> really I haven't really screwed up. That's, that's my biggest, I think, my biggest accomplishment. And that's not to say I haven't made mistakes or I haven't been controversial, um, you know, but I haven't become a silly mistake, haven't become a meme. Um, and I think, you know, I, I heard this story one time that's always stuck with me. There was a young woman who admired uh, a certain business executive, and she was thrilled when this business executive um, followed her back on Twitter, and she was very humbled and honored when this when this fellow, uh, you know, engaged with her and answered some of her questions, and so this guy, you know, became her hero, and she had a chance to meet him in real life, and introduced herself and explained, you know, where she came from. And the guy just had a blank stare because someone else was doing his Twitter for him. Oh. And she realized that she had been engaging with an administrative assistant and was crestfallen. And this guy's reputation was really ruined. So um, uh, I, I just, I can't see it, you know. And honestly, once you get into it and once you really get into a routine, it doesn't take that much time. One of the things that astounds me is um, if someone asks me a question or leaves me a nice comment on Twitter or LinkedIn or wherever, I try to respond to everyone. And and look, I've got a pretty big following. I mean, I'm not Lady Gaga, but I've got a pretty <laughs> good a pretty good following. Um, you know, if I had to add it all up, it might be. 400 or 500,000 people all together and you know in, in 15 or 20 minutes a day I can kind of respond to everybody and I'm sure some things slip through the cracks but I don't find it that difficult to to be just accessible and and and, and a human being 
And one of the things that surprises me is the, a lot of times I get feedback that said, oh, Mark, what I love about you is that you're so accessible. You actually, you know, ask people, you know, you answer people's questions. Now, you know, unless you're like some big movie star or something, I just don't understand why that's a point of differentiation for me. Why isn't everybody nice? Why isn't everybody accessible? I, 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 I don't understand why you think, wouldn't uh, appreciate people who, who reach out to you. You're absolutely right. And I think that 15 minutes a day, I don't. a lot of people maybe don't appreciate how important that is because mm. something that I've experienced firsthand is when you do follow somebody and, and you engage in their content, over a period of time, I as a consumer, I'm making quite a significant emotional investment. And I remember the first yeah, time... Yeah. I met somebody in person that I'd been engaging with online for a long time. Yeah. I'd been, I'd followed them on Instagram. I watched their YouTube. I read their blog posts. I know their kids' names. I know where they go to school. <laughs> I know the wife's name. Uh, I meet this guy. He has no idea who I am. Yeah. But he respected that investment. He could tune into it and he twigged. And when you get comments, it's so easy to think it's just a comment. Not understand the emotional investment that might be carried with it. Well, that's you know that and that's that's hard. I mean, I I, I I am right there, and I appreciate that. But I'll give you an example that came to mind just as you were speaking. I was at Social Media Marketing World last year, and um, this uh, woman came up to me and she said hello, and I I didn't know who she was, didn't know who she was, didn't recognize her name, and she was from uh, Scandinavia. So she had a very, I mean, she had a difficult name. It wouldn't be something that, you know, like Bob Gentle. That's a name that you could probably remember. You know, that's kind of a nice name. But, you know, this lady <laughs> had, this, 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 this woman had a name that you could never pronounce or never remember. And so I just, I just kind of, I guess, had a blank look on my face. And she just couldn't believe that I didn't remember her because she had left a comment on my blog. And I had left a comment mm. back, and I think I've had seventy thousand comments on my blog, and um, but it you know it, it did mean a lot to her. She had invested that time. She had invested that emotion, and there's this there's this phenomenon called the parasocial relationship, which is very common now, especially with YouTubers and podcasters where. People see your face, just like you say. You know their kids' names. You know where they go to school. You feel like they're your friend. But it's one way, right? I mean, mm. the other people, they're, they're not investing as have heavily in, in you. And I had this experience a few weeks ago. There was a young guy. He was, like, asking me all these big favors. And uh, he said, well, my boss wants to be a public speaker. Could you get on the phone with him and teach him how to be a public speaker? <laughs> so I'm racking my brain, like, who is this guy? So finally I said, you know, do I know you from somewhere? He said, he said no. I, I said, well, you're just asking me for some pretty big favors. He said, well, Mark, I'll have to apologize. I listen to your podcast. I listen to your audiobooks. Your voice is in my head all the time. <laughs> I feel like I know you. I feel like you're my friend. So you have to respect that. You have to appreciate that. And you, you know, you're you have to uh I think just 
be gracious and patient and understanding. And, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'm very, you know, blessed to be in the position that I am. And, you know, I want to support people. I want to be attentive to people as, as much as I can. But, you know, sometimes that's hard when the audience gets really large. Yeah. I think some people listening might find this conversation difficult to relate to. But I think we're all on different points of the continuum with that. So I would hope that most people could access what we were talking about there. It is rather a strange idea. Even. Yeah. But something I would like to ask you now is, I know you as a very competent person. Mm-hmm. And one of the things with social media is that we all get to show what we're good at. But I'd be curious to know, what does Mark Schaefer struggle with? Oh, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, it's a very long list. Um, but what's at the very top is uh, sales. I, I don't like sales. I don't like self-promotion. I don't like negotiating. I don't like you know pursuing. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, Bob, I'm so grateful that basically I'm well-known enough that I don't have to sell anything. I mean, people normally just come to me and the pipeline's always full. But it was a it was something I've known about myself for for a long time. But I actually um, had a startup uh, around 2014 or 2015, and you know put a lot of time, put a lot of energy into it, put a lot of money into it. You know had people had resources. It was a great idea. It was a great business. But basically, it just the the B two B sales process just wore me out. I hated it. And it's like someone says, yeah, we're going to do it. And then they leave the company. They say, oh, yeah, we're going to do it. And then their boss gets fired and we got to start all over. Yeah. And it just wore me down. And there were so many other things going on in the world that were interesting to me that, uh, you know, I just I gave up. I wasn't I, I just wasn't good at it. I didn't want to I, you know, I could have stuck it out. And the irony is actually the the sort of the core software from that startup that I that I had is actually you know being incorporated into another business right now so it is gonna pay off uh, but I'm not I'm not really good at sales because I don't I don't enjoy it that kind of leads me on to another question I'd always wanted to ask you mm-hmm. and that's if I pick up pretty much any business book on a shelf there's a back end there's always a okay you've got the book but if you click this link and come through to my website, you can do this, this, and this. And that's never been there in your books. And on the one hand, I really appreciate that because you know everything's in the book. But is that something you've done intentionally? Or is it because you, again, you're so busy with other things, you don't want to build those productized ecosystems that would potentially allow you to make much more money? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've, I mean, I, it, it's, it's definitely been an intentional decision and uh, in fact, I was just having this conversation with someone the other day about the initial advantage I had when I wrote my first book, Return on Influence. So this was the first book on influence marketing in the world. It came out in 2012 before anybody was even using that word. And I predicted in the book that within the next two years, this is going to become a mainstream marketing channel. And I was right. Now, I could have been Mr. Influence Marketing. I was the first one there. 
or one of the first ones. I could have had an agency. I could have built it up. I had no desire. I had absolutely no desire. I wrote the book because it was interesting. It was an intellectual exercise. I thought, you know, I thought it was a fascinating topic. But I, you know, I was at a point in my life. I don't want an agency. I don't want to hire people. So, you know, I've made, you know, most of the choices I've made, especially in the last ten years, have been lifestyle choices. Uh, you know, I'm I'm older than a lot of people on the scene. I didn't write my first blog post till I was 49 years old, and so, um, uh, you know, I, I I haven't had a mastermind group because I don't want that commitment. I, and people have begged me to do online courses, but then you get on this treadmill where you have to make another, you have to make another, you have to make another, you have to upsell, you have to cross-sell, you need to you know, ha- be constantly advertising, say, hey, I'm Mark Schaefer, look what I have for you. That's just not me. That doesn't fit my personality. And so I've made lifestyle choices that if it's not, consistent with my view of the world if it's not something that's gonna bring me joy um, then I'm not gonna do it and I think probably one of the things I'm known for is that I'm honest I don't have an agenda I'm not trying to upsell you to something if you read a book you read the book you know there's no further obligation or even request in fact any of the links that I have in my book back to my site, it gives you more free stuff. <laughs> uh, for Marketing Rebellion, there's a free workbook that you can get. You, you don't have to give me your email. It's just free. I'm just, gi- <laughs> I'm just giving it away. Crazy, Mark. It's crazy. Well, but, but, that's, but, but, the, but the, you know, my philosophy is you know, if I ask people for their email, 95% of the people wouldn't do it. Um, so the, the, the better idea is to unleash that content and get it out into the world as much as you can because that's how you, that's how you grow your brand. So, um, but, you know, I'm happy. I have fun every day. I enjoy what I do. I, I know I've left money on the table, but, you know, I can go out on my boat when I want. <laughs> that's the trade-off. And I think it's that integrity and consistency that's stood you in good stead and built that brand that's giving you the freedom you want to do what you want to do now, which yeah. is ultimately where we all want to get. But everybody seems to be working so hard doing possibly the wrong things to get there. I think you're a fantastic role model. I mean, I think it's important just to, to really stay centered. And it's hard, Bob. It's hard because... There are so many people out there that are embracing the hustle culture and they make you feel like crap if you're not in the hustle culture and if you're not creating something you know, every minute of the day and you're not working 18 hours a day. And so you really need to stay centered and, and sort of block that stuff out and stay focused on you know, this is who I am. This is the plan. I'm going to stick to it. I'm not going to sacrifice you know, my time, my money, time with my family or whatever, that I, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this my way. And, you know, I can remember times where there's a lot of slimy people in, in, the, in the digital marketing business. And sometimes it can be very disheartening, you know, to just stay the course and, and you know, not do all these slimy things like everybody else is doing. And, um, 
And, you know, I've, I've just stuck to the plan. I've just stuck to the vision, stuck to the plan. And just, you know, whenever you get content from me, it's it's the real deal. There's no agenda. I'm just being honest. I want to be helpful. I'm not selling you anything. But hopefully, you'll fall in love with me. <laughs> well, if they haven't already, I would encourage every listener to go at least and grab a copy of Known because it's one of my favorites. It's a handbook for content marketing. And obviously, you should probably go and read all the rest. And I'm sure, Mark, you would love them to read Marketing Rebellion as the newest book, which is amazing as well, because they will provide this roadmap for content marketing, which I don't see on the bookshelf anywhere else. Yeah, yeah. Mark, I am so grateful for your time. I'm very aware that we're heading towards an hour here. So I should probably ask you, the question that I keep coming back to every week and I'm getting really good at remembering. What's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? I wish I would have invested in a company that made masks. What a good idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're sure using a lot of them in America right now. Yeah, I think that's only going to go up for a while. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, to answer the question seriously, I mean, honestly, I, I'm on a constant... Uh, path of continuous improvement. So I mean, I I I change a little bit every week and and, and every month. So I'm not I'm not too hard on myself uh, for not seeing something or or making a mistake because I I know I'm on a continuous path. So um, you know, if I if I had to give advice to myself five years ago, I would just say you know be brave, stay centered, keep on the path, and you'll be okay. Mark Schaefer, thank you so much for your time. You've been a fantastic, very generous guest. I'm delighted to finally meet you. Yeah, thank you, Bob. We've followed each other on social media for a long time, and this has been a lot of fun. Hopefully I'll see you in social media marketing world soon. There you go. Once we're allowed back. One of the main takeaways from all Mark's work is that consistently showing up over time will get results. Where others come and go, those who are consistent get consistent results. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You'll find a link in the show notes or visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. As always, I would love to connect with any listener on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. And if you do, message me, let me know, and I'll follow you back. Also, just another reminder I do have a YouTube channel where we have slightly different content, possibly more, a little bit more how-to content. So if you enjoy this, you'll probably enjoy that. And if you did enjoy this, then I would love for you to review on iTunes. It means a lot to me, and it's the best way to help me reach more subscribers, which does matter to me. My name is Bob Gentle. Thank you to Mark for giving us his time this week, and to you for listening. And I'll see you next week.